This is week four of our current sermon series, Messy Spirituality, that's named after the book by Michael Iaconelli. Now, to bring those of you up to speed who maybe have missed a Sunday or two, the book, the premise of the book is that life is messy, we're messy, and though we often think that our messiness is a barrier to our ability to connect with God, or that we have to clean up our messes before we can attempt to be in relationship with God, Iaconelli proposes that it's actually in the midst of our messiness where, where Jesus meets us, and that it's from our messy lives that authentic spirituality actually emerges and grows. Now, we've talked together about many of the things that get in our way of pursuing spirituality or seeing ourselves as spiritual people, things like our faults, like our failings, our shortcomings, our misguided attempts to make ourselves perfect so that we feel good enough to turn to God. Last week, Lisa talked about what it looks like when our messy pasts sometimes get in the way of us being able to turn to God. Today, we're looking at how when we do attempt to engage our faith more intentionally, we often judge our expressions of spirituality. We wonder if how we live out our faith or how we attempt to share it is good enough. Oftentimes, our spiritual efforts, they get pretty messy too. We feel like complete religious incompetence. Like, we don't know how to do this right. That idealistic college student, he learned a few things about spirituality that day. He had this idea that in response to his knock on the door, people would be entirely open and ready to hear his testimony, and that based on his credibility and his wholesomeness and his radiant demeanor, his powerful testimony, that folks would just commit their lives to Christ right there on the spot. Well, it did not quite go like that in his experience. His very first prospect had some other immediate needs that needed to be tended to, and she had absolutely no time or patience for his good news. Iaconelli says that this college boy actually received a lesson in spiritual growth that day. In one frustrating afternoon, he learned, that the pow- he learned about the power of sensitivity, being aware of the circumstances of another person's life and being able to respond authentically to that in faith. He learned about the true meaning of evangelism, And he learned about the hopelessness of some people who live in poverty and who live in urban areas. He also learned that sometimes the Holy Spirit asks us to violate or to rethink our own religious convictions in order to live the faith that we claim rather than just talk about it. So when this young man returned to college, He didn't start smoking, but he did start listening to how the Holy Spirit was leading him to be in ministry with and in relationship with other people. There's this particularly wise, retired pastor who I know. He's a mentor of mine. I respect him a ton. He told me once that in ministry, he never worried much about squaring his corners. Well, when I asked him what he meant by that, he said, Well, I never worried about whether or not what I did or said 
looked religious or necessarily followed the rules. I focused instead on connecting people with Christ. Well, that college boy may have learned that day that he didn't need to worry so much about squaring his corners. There's another zealous evangelist named Paul, and he didn't worry very much about squaring his corners either, especially after he encountered Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus. He'd been raised in the Jewish faith, and before his fateful encounter with Jesus, Paul was a Pharisee which is a devout and very orthodox practitioner of the Jewish faith. Pharisees knew scripture and the law backwards and forwards. They were so devout that they practiced temple holiness in their own homes. They were like what we imagined a few weeks ago, um, that those people who we think are really spiritual look like. You know, those mystical saintly types who pray and read scripture that they've already memorized all day long on their knees. They never, ever make morally suspect choices. They always do the right thing, at least from a legal, perfectly squared corner perspective. Well, Paul was one of those types. Then he met the risen Jesus in a vision while he was on a road traveling to Damascus, a road that he was traveling for the purpose of persecuting early Christians who he felt like threatened his perfectly squared understanding of his faith. Well, he became convinced in that encounter with Jesus that once, in that encounter with Jesus, the one that he had been persecuting, he became convinced that he was actually the Christ, the Savior that they'd all been waiting for. And as a result, Paul became the most passionate of his followers. And his corners then became quite skewed. He began to draw many people, not just Jews, but also Gentiles to God through Jesus. And he completely let go of many of the Jewish legal requirements that he had felt the need to follow in the past. Things like the notion that all males should be circumcised. That was something that his faith claimed was absolutely essential to be in relationship with God. He also no longer stressed these strict dietary rules And there were other legal requirements that he let go of, things that had been demanded of him as a Pharisee. His spiritual practices and his expressions of faith, they got very messy, and he had tons of critics. Many of Christ's followers, his disciples, continued to insist on these legal practices that Paul was dismissing in order to welcome Gentiles into the faith. And Paul became so convicted that it was relationship with Jesus alone that was important that he began to preach, actually, against those who still insisted that you needed to adhere to all of these laws and regulations. Listen to this scripture from Paul, this letter that Paul wrote to the church in Philippi. This is from the message. The real believers are the ones the Spirit of God leads to work away at this ministry filling the air with Christ's praise as we do it. We couldn't carry this off by our own efforts, and we know it, even though we can list what many might think are impressive credentials. You know my pedigree, a legitimate birth, circumcised on the eighth day, an Israelite from the elite tribe of Benjamin, 
a strict and devout adherent to God's law, a fiery defender of the purity of my religion, even to the point of persecuting the church, a meticulous observer of everything set down in God's law book. The very credentials these people are waving around is something special I'm tearing up and throwing out with the trash, along with everything else I used to take credit for. And why? Because of Christ. Yes, all the things I once thought were so important are gone from my life. Compared to the high privilege of knowing Christ Jesus as my master firsthand, everything I once thought I had going for me is insignificant. I've dumped it all in the trash so that I could embrace Christ and be embraced by Him. I didn't want some petty, inferior brand of righteousness that comes from keeping a list of rules when I could get the robust kind that comes from trusting Christ, God's righteousness. I gave up all that inferior stuff so I could know Christ personally, experience His resurrection power, be a partner in His suffering, and go all the way with Him to death itself. If there was any way to get in on the resurrection from the dead, I wanted to do it. I'm not saying that I have this all together, that I have it made, but I am well on my way reaching out for Christ who has so wondrously reached out for me. Friends, don't get me wrong. By no means do I count myself an expert in all of this, but I've got my eye on the goal where God is beckoning us onward to Jesus I'm off and running, and I am not turning back. This is the Word of God. I am not saying I have this all together, but I am well on my way, reaching out for Christ. He's not worried anymore about squaring his corners. He just wants to meet Christ and lead others to him. It's like me in this t-shirt. Y'all, I know absolutely nothing about football. (laughs) And I don't think this shirt's all that flattering on me. But I know that for those of you among us for whom football is a spiritual experience (laughs) and for whom Super Bowl Sunday is one of the highest of holy days. I'm here for you, okay? I'm willing to wear this t-shirt. I'm willing to pray with you and for you. And should things go the wrong way, I will even provide pastoral care following the game. (laughs) And because we want to minister to all people, Pastor Lisa is here for the Patriots fans. Jesus didn't worry very much about squared corners either. We've learned a lot about that, actually, over the past several weeks. We've learned that Jesus Christ, a very devout Jew, reached out and touched lepers. He um, healed people on the Sabbath. And he met with a woman with a seemingly seedy past alone by a well. Jesus, who meets us in the middle of our brokenness, in the middle of our messy lives, he is not concerned about square corners. Jesus is concerned about love and about whole hearts. Hearts that are in love with God. Hearts that trust God with all that they are. 
Spirituality is not about getting all the, rule right, all the rules right. It's not about never making any mistakes. It's not about knowing what you're doing or having it all together. It's about having our eyes on the goal and running toward God, the one who is always and already reaching out to us, even in the midst of our very messy lives. Spirituality is not about perfection. It's about growth. And if we are willing to risk spiritual growth, you're going to fall once in a while. But if you keep your eyes on the goal, you will always fall into the arms of Jesus. Amen.